name of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Amen. Please sit. I wonder this morning what news you are longing to hear. What news would be so good to hear that it would fill your eyes with tears and your heart with joy? What news would you struggle to let yourself believe? What news, what promise, what healing would be so good that you aren't sure you could take it in? It might be a new job or amended relationship or the dreams of your children coming true. It might be a mutual commitment. It might be some kind of security. It might be the child that you longed for. What news? Maybe even it would be the chance to see someone you love who we see no longer. What news would make it possible for you to believe that with God, all things are possible? This morning, this is the experience of Mary in the garden. She believes that everything she loves has died. She believes that her dream, her hope, the hope of all the disciples that Jesus would change and save and redeem the world is gone. Everything she thought mattered is gone. And she is devastated. So she gets to the tomb thinking she's going to anoint Jesus' body finally for his burial. She thinks she's going to hold his hand and anoint his head and say her last goodbyes. And you can imagine her dismay when she walks into the tomb and even his body is gone. So she goes back to Jerusalem and tells the two other disciples and they run and then she goes back to the tomb. And by the way, this was a decent distance. They got their morning workout in. And the two disciples go in and they sort of assess the situation and then they leave. But Mary stays weeping opposite the tomb. She is surrounded and wrapped in her grief, in her fear, in her anxiety, in her sense that she is surrounded by death. She's so wrapped up in that and in herself and in the pain she's feeling that when she puts her head back in the tomb and sees two angels, she's not really surprised by that. And I can tell you that everywhere else in scripture, when somebody comes in contact with angels, they notice. Because it's terrifying. Because these angels are massive and big and scary and extra human. So you noticed when angels were in front of you. It was a cue in the scripture that something really important was about to happen. These are God's messengers. And she misses it completely because she's so wrapped up in what she's feeling and what she's experiencing. And then I always sort of imagine her, you know, kind of stumbling, almost falling out of the tomb after she has this conversation with the angels and almost sort of stumbling and bumping right into him. And still she doesn't recognize him. She has a whole conversation with him and still she's so caught up in her own pain and sadness and frustration that she can't even see Jesus. The only sort of moment when her shell begins to crack and when she's aware of what's going on is when he says her name, Mary. And all of a sudden it does. It's, 
it cracks that shell, that sort of bubble of fear and sadness and anxiety that's around her, and suddenly her life begins again. Her heart starts to beat again. She can see him and hear him. Not allowed to touch him, but she can see him and hear him. And the hope that he might redeem the world, that he might change all that is broken, is suddenly restored. But imagine how hard it must have been for her to believe that was true. To believe that her eyes weren't betraying her. How many of us want to hear good news that we wouldn't let ourselves dare believe? Because if we found out it wasn't true, it would hurt even more. We inoculate ourselves, all of us, all the time. If you're anything like me, you put off good news until you're absolutely sure it's about to happen. We need empirical evidence before we'll believe that a good thing is about to happen. We're very good at that, at pushing off the good news and pushing off the joy. And so how difficult it must have been for Mary and the disciples to believe that this was possible, that they weren't wrong. How daring it must have been to take that risk of getting hurt again. And still, in fact, it's only real for about two and a half minutes, it seems, for Mary before Jesus sends her back to Jerusalem again to share the news and the joy with the rest of the disciples. It was never intended to be just for her. Jesus wants the rest of the community to know it too, to see that life has come out of death and that joy is real. This, my friends, is what it means to be Christian to be surrounded by what is broken and what is sad, to be wounded ourselves sometimes by the things we do and the things others do to us, and still to believe that God is working for the good and that God has a good plan and that life will in fact come out of death. This day is about the best news. And I think sometimes we lose the sense of what's really won on this day because we hear this story over and over again and we talk about Jesus' resurrection as if it's a common thing, as if it just happened. But my friends, this morning what we celebrate is that God on the cross, in the person of Jesus Christ, has conquered death itself. Death itself. The trouble is, though, like Mary, I think we all struggle to let that sink in to let the, the shell that we wear, the veneer that we put up, the image that we want everyone else to see, to let that fall away, to hear him over the noise of the world, and more than anything, to hear him call our name. We struggle to hear him. How many times a day does somebody ask you how you are and you just sort of instantly say, I'm fine, I'm good, how are you? Because none of us want anyone to know that actually we hurt. Things hurt us. We are wounded. And sometimes we are broken. And this is what it means to be Christian. To be able to shine the light into the places that are broken. The places in our own hearts and in our own lives and in the world around us. And to claim the good news that God is doing a new thing and wants us to be a part of it. This is the good news of this day. 
and it is the foundation of every other piece of good news that any of us have ever or will ever hear. Because this is the day that Jesus wins for you a place in this great story, a place in the heritage, an inheritance of the kingdom. This is the day that he calls you by name and invites you to be part of this work in the world. Not because you've done anything to deserve it, because none of us have. Not because any of us are ever going to do it perfectly, but because when God created you out of love, God called you beloved and priceless and worthy of love even before you took your first breath. And so on this day, whether you've come in joy or in grief, whether you've come of your own volition or because somebody else made you, Jesus calls to you. This news is for you. But it will only make the difference if you can let it crack that shell, if you can let it rub off a little bit of the veneer that you published for everybody else, and if you choose, then, after you've heard him, to follow him, to let him change you, to let him heal the broken shards and debris in your own heart, to, to let him call you then, too, to heal it in your own life, in your relationships, in the places where you've fallen down and hurt others, and then with the rest of the body of Christ, a good number of whom are sitting around you right now, to figure out how to fix that in the world. Because the kingdom to which he calls us, the kingdom he invites us to build, is one where everybody belongs, where everyone has a place at the table, where we are called to see and begin to try to heal the sins of the world, the racism and bigotry, the isolation, the things that hurt us all and keep us away from each other. And we're called to do that not only for the world around us, but for the healing of our own souls. Let him teach you how to be connected one to another and to this great story. Because the promise of this day is that you are called to be free, not just in this life, but in the next. If you will learn to listen when he calls, if you will hear him call your name, and then even before it's entirely real, as you're still struggling to try and believe it, even if you have to whisper it the first time, to go and say, I have seen the Lord. To share that news. I have seen the Lord. Amen.